Hello, curiosity seekers. Welcome to Dissecting Medical History. I'm Ange. I'm a travel nurse, medical history enthusiast, and your host. If you're looking for a storytelling formatted podcast with fun and fascinating topics on history and bios, then you are in the right spot. Please note this is not in any way medical advice. If you have anything that's ever discussed in any of the podcast episodes, please seek medical attention. Now, let's get this story started. Hello, curiosity seekers. Today, I'm going to be telling a story or three about three women who are first of their kind in history. And with me today, I brought back Melissa. Hi. <laughs> to to tell her about these women. I thought Black History Month is just not long enough. I wanted to do another episode with other people that I had researched. And this episode is just that. So the first lady I'm going to tell Melissa about is Susie King Taylor. She is... A, an extraordinary woman who is known for being an Afri- African-American Civil War nurse. She was born into slavery in Georgia in 1848. Her parents were Hagar and Reed, which I thought Hagar was a male name, but I guess. It's a, um, I know it's in the Bible, hmm. that the name is a woman oh, in the okay. Bible. I've, I've heard that before. And her dad was Raymond Baker. And then she, so she lived on the Isle of Wit until she was five. It's it's an isle, island or an isle just off of Georgia coast. Okay. When she was seven, she moved to her grandmother's in Savannah. Now, I'm not sure if, don't think she was freed at that point, but they allowed her to go and stay with her grandmother she learned to read and write, but it was illegal in Georgia to learn to read and write. Well, good for her. That's awesome. Yeah, I thought so. She learned from a free black woman who ran a secret school. She also studied with a black nun named Mary Beasley. She would write fake passes, forging her grandmother's name, her grandmother's employer so that her grandmother could evade the curfew that was put on blacks. There was a bell that would ring at nine and they had to all be in, but because now she knew how to read and write, she was able to make these fake passes. For nice. her grandmother. <laughs> After the civil war began, Susie uh, went to St. Catherine's Island to join other family members who escaped it was kind that island was under union control, so she was a little more safe there. Then she went on to St. Simmons Island and established a school for black children and adults. Many of the men at St. Simmons recruited were recruited to the 33rd U.S. Colored Troops for the Civil War. They were mostly escaped slaves. So in 1862, at 14 years old, she, Susie married Sergeant Edward King and she journeyed with him to camp. So she, it's not like in today's day where, I mean, you were, you were in the Navy, so it's not like you would, um, 
go to war and then take your husband with you and right. like he'd be there in camp with you. Right. Yeah. But back then No, they wouldn't allow that. No. But back then they <laughs> in the camps she was helping with not only laundry and cooking and things like that. She was helping teach the soldiers uh, in her husband's company E to read and write. She washed clothes. She ran the school for children. There was children there too. Wow. And learned to fire a musket. Her biggest desire was to care for the sick and afflicted. That's what she, she really had a big heart. I mean, she really wanted to teach others and to help others. So in January, 1863, about 500 soldiers sailed up to raid the St. Mary's River. It's a divide between Georgia and Florida. When men returned, Susie would go and go to the regimental hospital. It's there that she met Clara Barton, who's the future founder of the American Red Cross. And then they would round together. She she did a lot with Clara. She helped nurse the men and was doing uh, things to help keep them comfortable. Later, Miss Barton said that she was always cordial and honored her devotion and care for the soldiers. In 1865, well, let me also point out something that I've learned through uh, wartime nursing. When I think it was World War II, there was black nurses who wanted to be there to, right. to help, right? And there was some allowability by Roosevelt to allow that. However, these women were stuck caring for other black soldiers or the POW camps, meaning the Germans that were captured. There was a POW camp in Arizona and the women, the black nurses would be put there to take care of the the men. So they weren't even allowed to take care of their own wow. soldiers unless they were of the same race. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's very disgusting. Yes, and it is. When I was reading this, I was remembering that and how okay, Claire Barton was like, oh she, you know, cares for the soldiers and her devotion. But I'm wondering if she was only caring for those of her own race like, i imagine because so because she would go there after her soldiers came back and so i'm wondering if that was she was allowed not allowed to help with the other wow the other races or these are the types of things from history you don't really think about yeah that's that's really sad and it wasn't like it was written down but i'm assuming that it was probably be- because this is even farther back than world war Two. yeah <laughs> that it would be a similar situation Anyway, so yeah, that was something to think about and um, infuriate me a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, when I read that about the POW camps and and whatnot, I just like, God, come on. Like, we need need to do better. We do. We still need to do better. We still need to do better. still, yeah. Still have a long way to go. Yes, we do. Susie... In 1865, Susie went into South Carolina while Charleston was set on fire. Oh. The Confederates had set it on fire. I think, isn't that like in Gone with the Wind? Like the, have you seen Gone with the Wind? Don't I tell me. Not. No. 
No. <laughs> I have not. I'm sorry. Wow. Get out. <laughs> I'm fired. <laughs> that is such that's a tragedy. <laughs> it's a good movie. I own it on uh, iTunes or something. I have to watch it at least once every... It used to be once every year. Now it's once every other year, maybe. Yeah. It's a long movie. It's four hours. But oh it's my such God. a good... It's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. And One I day. I quote it a One lot. Day. Yeah. <laughs> know nothing about birth and no babies. Okay. That's my line. Because I hate... I don't like L&D. I don't... L&D is labor and delivery. I'm not an L&D nurse. I am not an L&D nope. nurse either. No, And I always you. like... I know nothing about birth and no babies. <laughs> I don't, don't want to know. know. <laughs> I want no part of it. Nope. So anyway, uh, yeah, I quote the movie a lot. But anyway, <laughs> um, in the movie, Charleston's on fire, I believe. It's Charleston. Anyway, mm-hmm. it was a big deal. But she, I, she went in there because she was trying to, she was trying to help. Su- Susie spent many years trying to nurse the men, and, and she never got any money for it. Um, nursing and teaching. Wow. In 1866, she opened a school uh, at home because there was just no schools for blacks. Um, unfortunately, she was close. She had to close after a year because a free public school was started and most of the students left for that school. <laughs> um, her husband died in 1866, that same year that her school was started and she was pregnant. So to support herself and the baby, she would do laundry and cooking as well. Um, Because she wasn't getting paid for all the other jobs she was doing. And then she didn't have her little school anymore. Yeah. In 1879, she married Russell L. Taylor. And they lived in Boston and kept in touch with many of the soldiers that she had once took care of. Uh, 1898, she traveled to Shreveport, Louisiana um, because her son got very ill. He was, uh, at that time, an actor, but he couldn't get back to Boston because he needed a sleeper car because he was so sick, and the railroad refused to sell her a ticket for a sleeper car. Oh. So it seemed it seemed very hard when his father fought to protect the Union and then and their flag, and then he's denied he can't even purchase a ticket a yeah. ticket that's terrible and she was so patriotic she was she was very patriotic to the union mm-hmm. and and it was just very upsetting to her that she couldn't that her off the offspring of an officer who fought is denied benefits that's terrible he did die a few weeks later and then she went back to boston mm-hmm. so she stayed there till he died um, in 1902, Susie published her uh, autobiography. It was called Reminiscence of My Life in Camp, a Black Woman's Civil War Memoirs, and wondered if the war was in vain. It, She said, has it brought freedom in the full sense of the word, or has it not made our condition more hopeless? Yeah, that's really sad. Yeah. Susie died in 1912, but she was still optimistic for a better tomorrow. She said, Justice, we ask to be citizens of these United States, where so many of our people have shed their blood with their white comrades that the stars and stripes should never be polluted. So she was, 
she was a very caring person. Yes, she was. And that is the story of Miss Susie Taylor. Awesome. Yeah, I had I had never heard of her before. And that's the yeah. kind of sad thing about, you know, black history is that we didn't learn. There are a lot of things that we didn't learn in school. So if they weren't allowed to learn to read and write, a lot of these stories don't get written down. That's true. And that's one way to keep control of somebody, I guess, oh, is yeah. to keep them from becoming Ignorant. educated. Yeah. Exactly. So oh, it's a shame. A lot of these stories way back, they would like even in Indian culture, they would be songs and dances and stuff that would be storytelling mm-hmm. through oral storytelling. And so things change over the years. Right. And, and so you don't get the full, but it, it's a shame because I'm sure there's a lot of stories like hers that we'll just never know. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so Rebecca Lee Crumbler. Mm-hmm. She was born in 1833. She she was the first black woman to graduate from a medical school. And she did it at age 33. This was 15 years after Elizabeth Blackwell, who was the first woman to graduate from an American medical school. Okay, okay. So Elizabeth Blackwell, she's from the UK. She got her medical degree in the U.S. So she's very well known. Um, She helped open up a hospital and all these other things. But it took another 15 years before a black woman was able to be a doctor. Okay. She wanted, uh, uh, Rebecca wanted to be a doctor since she was a kid. Her aunt who raised her was a healer in Pennsylvania. And a healer is pretty much... Like a nurse. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So from 1852 to 1860, she was a nurse in Massachusetts. People were impressed with her and they recommended her to the female medical college as a nurse. Okay. So that's usually what happened is you, a doctor would start off as a nurse right. and then become do more medical stuff. That could be useful in today's. I don't think I would have the patience for all the education that's now required to become a doctor. I, don't, I wouldn't either. That's why I went to nurse practitioner school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and I, I don't know. I, I feel like the nurse practitioner would be more focused. You're like, you're more preventative. You're more, yeah. the nurse practitioners are more patient Patient-centered. Patient-centered, more advocates. Not that there's not doctors out there that aren't, but... But we're treating the patient and not the disease. That's kind of the way I see it. Okay, so the other day I went to the doctor's, (laughs) side note, and the doctor and the nurse were having a conversation about me as if I wasn't there. Oh, my God. (laughs) Why does anybody think that's acceptable? (laughs) I, I was like sitting there like... Okay, so hey guys. <laughs> they were trying to come up with a treatment plan <laughs> and they're like talking. Yeah, so I think we should do this with her. Shouldn't you and- <laughs> be involved in that treatment plan? Hello. I was like, good yeah, Lord. It was really, it was a really weird, uncomfortable because I thought any moment they're going to like turn around and address me. Yeah. Or like, how is that with you? It's like on TV when they step a foot away and they pretend like the other person can't hear them. Oh, we're just going to step over here and have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, Except that I was kind of in the triangle, but they just weren't looking at me. That's so weird. And I was just, yeah, I was like, this, this is uncomfortable. Like, and I would interject, like, I would say something. 
but they just kept talking amongst themselves like, well, I think, and then we should have her do it this, you know, twice a day and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, okay, this is just, <laughs> I'll so just be awkward. over here. I'll just be over here. <laughs> just let me know what you come up with. <laughs> so yeah, that was, yeah. Anyway. So I don't like that. That's what I think of when I think of doctors. It's yeah. like, that's their chief. Only one of them was a nurse, but whatever. Right. But he was a guy. So. Yeah. Anyway, hopefully he doesn't Guys are oblivious. <laughs> they were both really nice, but yeah. but still, it was... They probably had no idea. They forgot idea. that I was attached to the ailment. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's a person attached to this disease. Come on. <laughs> so anyway, um, in 1864, Rebecca earned a doctorate. They called it a doctress, doctress. of medicine. Mm-hmm. A oh. doctress of med- medicine degree from Boston's New England Female Medical College in 1864. Wow. Sounds very feminine. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if they just studied uh, vaginas. (laughs) They moved to Richmond, Virginia to help treat the thousands of newly free African Americans. And she had a hard time when she would fill up, she would write a prescription Druggist refused to fill her prescriptions. Oh my god, because of her skin because color. Because she's a girl. Oh, because she. Oh, because she's a. Yeah. Okay. It could be skin color too. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> she has. She has a lot of stuff working against her. Unfortunately, yeah. that's a good point. But they yeah. did have a lot of prejudice towards women yeah. being doctors, and here oh, she's definitely. got a double whammy. Yeah. Hopefully, she wasn't. Um, she wasn't homosexual either. They let, that would really. They be... let the ladies be doctors now. Yeah, they don't know shit. <laughs> Um, the male doctors would snub her and other doctors would harass her with racial slurs. Oh my God. Yeah, it became, but she did become widely respected for her devotion to the study of diseases afflicting women and children. In 1883, she did publish a book, a book of medical discourses in two parts, the medical advice to women on how best to care for themselves and their children. It's a long title for a book. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I don't know much after that. I don't know what happened to her. Oh. I don't know what became of her. So there's nothing, nothing written down about her. And like that's, what happened next. That's all we mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the nice thing now about medical schools, I think acceptance for male versus female, I think it's about equal now, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Just about. It feels like that when all the residents come. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there is a, I, okay, there was a question that I had seen on a Facebook post. Like, to get into this group, you have to answer questions. Mm-hmm. And normally the questions are like, do you abide by the group rules and stuff? Right. This one was like, why is July the most dangerous month of the year in oh. hospital? <laughs> I know why. And I was like, I think I know why. I think that's when the residents that's start. That's when the residents start. Yeah. And I and so I was like, well, that is a crazy question. Like, that's a hard question if you yeah. like don't work. But if you're a nurse, you want to be in this group, but you're not in the hospital. Or, or not in a teaching hospital or not in a teaching where hospital. they don't have residents. Yeah. So I thought, well, that's not nice. So, but I looked it up. I'm like, I think it's residents. I think it's because yeah. that's when it starts. And res- oh, my God. There's either those residents that are like overly wanting to show that they're meant to be there like they right. that they <laughs> that they have the skills and knowledge to be there and they have to show off and oh and then there's the really good the really good ones that really want to learn yeah. 
and really do ask questions and are nice to their nurses. Right. Because that's where you learn a lot. Yes, um, it is. But oh, a lot of times the doctor, oh, the last hospital I worked <laughs> They were a lot of residents, and some of them were jerks. Yeah, They're I've just met, straight I met up some that are jerks. Yeah, you call the the head resident or whatever one of the, one of the little lower ones, and you're just like, you need to come see this patient, and they just are, oh, they just start argue with you. Yeah. Don't argue with your nurses. This is your job. <laughs> Don't argue. Just come up the two flights it takes to get yeah. up here and look at this patient. And then uh, yeah. some of them have to learn the hard way not to argue with the veteran, you know, very seasoned <laughs> nurses that really know what they're doing. Yeah. When I when I say someone's about to crash, they're going to crash. Yeah. I'm not making this up. Anyway, yeah. I didn't end up joining the group. Yeah. Because I was like, these questions are crazy. Yeah. There's some other ones that were like, oh, I can't remember. Something to do with medication. Oh, like no, it was a weird. Like, if you have to give somebody five milliliters of this medication, what would you do? I was like, you pour it in a cup and you give it to them. Yeah, patient. what? <laughs> well, yeah, follow the... you scan their armband. <laughs> I'm like, how much of an answer do you want here? Like, I can go step by step. Yeah, it was a we- It was just weird. That's a dumb, vague question. It was very yeah. Yeah, and they probably they didn't care about the answer. They just wanted a vague question or to see if you had any thought at all of like the answer oh i don't know i mean you do have to put some thought into them so if you're wrong at least you're putting some thought into it maybe your answer is completely off like yeah i don't know there's july is like the legend of the wolf and there's more (laughs) crazy people in that month than any other month full moons but at least you answered the question and you're not a robot yeah you know what i mean so maybe oh yeah okay so maybe it didn't matter the answer. Like choose the pictures with fire hydrants kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. But oh. So yeah, that's doctors can be my point was the doctors could not treat patients like they're human like beings. people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. When I when I was talking earlier about how women weren't allowed, they were allowed to work in the military, but then they weren't allowed to work on like white soldiers or whatever. Yeah. So the reason I found this story out was from Mabel Keaton Stupers, Stoppers, Stupers. She was born in 1890. She was from Barbados, but she was a U.S. citizen. And... She studied nursing at the Freedmen's Hospital School of Nursing in Washington, D.C. She helped establish inpatient TB clinics at the Booker T. Washington Sanitarium. She became an executive secretary of the Harlem TB Committee. And then during World War II, she led a campaign to integrate black nurses into the Army Nurse Corps. And that she and there she met uh, Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh. So she went to Eleanor Roosevelt to explain how the white nurses were being drafted while black nurses were unemployed and not allowed to treat the POWs or blacks or they were only allowed to treat the POWs or black soldiers. Mm -hmm. So Franklin Roosevelt ended the racial enlistment restrictions for army nurses in 1945. Oh, okay. So 
because these nurses were only treating those POWs in the army, she was instrumental in, in trying to break that up so that it was more fair. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean that these white soldiers wouldn't be jerks when they got... Oh, yeah. I imagine they could be real jerks. Yeah. So I... <laughs> I have this pet peeve when I have a patient who assumes that I am white because I look white, but no. I'm, but I'm a mix. I'm a mutt. Um, and they, so a lot of times, not a lot of times, sometimes a patient will fire their nurse if they are not of a Caucasian race. Oh my God. And it's anywhere from like, and I've worked in so many different States and, it depends. There's some like Southern California. I've worked with a lot of uh, Asian nurses. Mm -hmm. There's a huge population there in Houston. There's a huge population of Kenyan and Nigerian and Jamaican nurses. And um, there's just a every every state has a different um, a different group of of uh, of race that uh, is might be dominant in. In, right, 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 right. In the area. And so they would have a patient get fired because of their race. And oh, that would, it, it's just a pet peeve of mine. It's just annoying because. It's horrible. Right? So they, so they always choose me, not always, but <laughs> <laughs> they choose me because I'm white and they think, oh, okay, she can go in and be this patient's nurse. Well, I don't want to be this patient's nurse. I wouldn't want to be their nurse. Because they're racist jerks. Yeah. And it's funny because I usually get more upset than the person who was fired because they're like, they're happy they got fired. They don't have to deal with this asshole. <laughs> but now I have to deal with a racist asshole. So at first, you know, you're just like, okay, I'm just, just get through it. You know, they're a human being. I'm just going to overlook their stupidity. So... It's fine until they start talking. Uh, until they open their mouth. Until they open their mouth. say something ridiculous. Yeah. And that's what I hate. Or or they confide in me because they think I'm just white. And I'm, does that automatically make me racist? Because I'm white. <laughs> and I'm going to agree with them? No. A no. lot of times they make that assumption. I had a guy that I was taking care of at my clinical site recently and he kind of started going on this racist rant about the other facility that he was at. And I kind of just slowly backed away. But they, yeah, I'm white. So I guess people, you know, assume that I'm going to agree with them. But yeah, I, I, I have my problem is I call them out on it. And that's awesome. It, yeah, it it's not. Because then now you have contention with this patient that you're stuck with. Oh. But I usually call them out on it. Yeah. I had, you know, okay, so this one experience with this lady, she had a surgery. And sometimes anesthesia is kind of like a truth serum. It is right. for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, it is a truth serum for me. So this lady comes back from a knee surgery, I think it was. And she started... She started um, ranking the races. Oh, my God. I don't know how we got on that subject. <laughs> but she was ranking them. And I was like, you know, I'm I'm half Hispanic. And oh. 
she's like, oh, that they're they're like number two. Oh my god! Like that's supposed to make it better. <laughs> oh my god! And she just wouldn't like. Oh, she, that's okay. You're yeah. towards the top. Yeah, you're one of my favorite races. Oh my god! Yeah, I was I was so speechless with this. Well, you can't really reprimand someone who's drugged <laughs> like <laughs> calling them out on like, but her daughter came back later and she said how's my mom has she been in trouble and i'm like your mom's a racist <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome i'm so glad you said that i said she started ranking races and she was so like appalled she's like oh my god i'm so sorry that's Aww. you know so embarrassed and the next day i had her again and of course, she doesn't remember most of the conversation yeah. or whatever. But she wanted help. Oh, and oh, she was nice when she was drugged. But the next day, she was just like she had a nightmare. She was, she was, she was like constantly, um, like she hit the call light, and if you weren't right there to help her with the television, oh lord, she was all angry. Like I need was, graham crackers. <laughs> I don't care if there's a code next door. Yeah had to be right then and she would go off about Ugh. how it took forever and i'm like no no this I, is not it was 30 seconds <laughs> anyway she wanted help with the tv she wanted to find a movie so i was helping her find a movie and she's like well what is this one and it, i actually read the book but i it's about a girl whose mother keeps her locked up because she's trying to keep her safe mm-hmm. um it happens to be a black girl and she meets the boy next door mm-hmm. through emails or something. I don't know. I don't remember the book, but, um, but somehow gets to know the guy that is next door who happens to be white and it's a love story and they end up running away together. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and so when she's like, well, what about this movie? I was like, um, this is an interracial love story. Are you okay with that? <laughs> And she looked at me like she was really thinking about it. And then she's like, yeah, okay. Okay. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) So I let her watch this interracial love story. Uh, Yeah, I just, people like that just, you just, uh. and like before I even got into nursing school, I was taking care of this old lady who was so racist she was so mean to the people that worked at the nursing home. I, I would stay there. Like I was hired to, to watch her and to help her Um, for, I think I stayed there for like 48 hours. I would sleep there and everything. Oh, wow. And she was, she was the meanest person in the world. And of course she has some dementia. So, I mean, like you, you go, okay, she can't help it, but, she was like that all her life. She was, yeah, she was <laughs> like that her entire life. Yes. And just because she has dementia now doesn't all of a sudden Mm-mm. cancel all of no. that out. It's really, it's really hard to, you can't forgive, I don't know, you can't, I can't forgive what things she says because, yeah. but you can't, trying to reprimand her either didn't work. So yeah. like, it just, I, I finally quit that job. I couldn't, I was like, I, I told, I told, I can't handle her anymore. No. She's, she's makes me angry and I'm too sensitive. I wouldn't be able yeah. to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. I just, mm, I couldn't do it, especially with Hispanic. And I, I often told her, well, I'm Hispanic. <laughs> so stop saying those things. <laughs> stop saying racist things about me. <laughs> anyway. So that was just a couple of women that I thought were important to highlight in History. That was great. It I is, loved it. It is National History Women's History Month. 
Oh yeah, March is yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so. I, I have to put that in there. All right. Well, thanks again for being a guest. On yes, thank you. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um I'm glad you're here, and we'll have to do it again. So. Yes, absolutely. All right. Curiosity seekers, stay curious, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's mental vacation from your current life. If you did and are curious for more, please subscribe. Before you go, if you have anything to add to today's show or you have a topic that you think is worthy of dissection, please reach out on dissectingmedicalhistory.com or Instagram on Dissecting Medical History. Thank you, and stay curious.